Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Burkina Faso, the landlocked country in West Africa, is in the midst of an escalating humanitarian emergency. Over half a million people have been displaced in the last year. This is a 500% increase from one year ago, according to the latest data from the United Nations. The vast majority of the newly displaced are fleeing an unrelenting series of terrorist attacks. Most of these attacks, though not all, are occurring in regions near the border with Mali. But terrorist violence has also reached the capital city, Ouagadougou, including high-profile strikes against foreign targets, including an attack on a Western hotel in 2016 and an attack on the French embassy in 2018. Now, as we enter 2020, the scale and pace of terrorist attacks is intensifying. This includes a late December attack in the town of Arbinda, in a province that borders Mali, which saw at least 37 civilians killed, mostly women. And earlier this year, there was a bombing of a bus carrying schoolchildren that killed 14 people. This surge in violence in Burkina Faso comes six years after peaceful protests led to the ouster of longtime ruler Blaise Kempore. And according to my guest today, the increasing pace of terrorist attacks in Burkina Faso might be tied to upcoming elections in 2020, which are being contested by Kempore's political party. Arsène Brice-Badeau is a professor of political science at the Center for Research and Action for Peace, known as CRAP, at the Jesuit University in Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire. He is from Burkina Faso, and in this conversation, he offers a few explanations for why his country is experiencing such violence after a rather euphoric period following the ouster of Blaise Kempore. We kick off discussing some recent attacks in Burkina Faso before having a longer conversation about the causes and consequences of increasing violence there. We also discuss what kinds of policies and what kinds of international engagement might help reduce the prospect of further violence. I think you'll appreciate this episode. I love using the podcast to shine a spotlight on stories that don't get covered widely in the Western press. And I think this surge in violence in Burkina Faso certainly fits the bill. I am also very excited to announce that this episode is the first in a series of episodes supported in part from a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. The grant will help the show feature African perspectives on peace and security issues in Africa. Needless to say, I am very excited for the content that will be produced from this partnership and I will discuss what the grant means for the podcast in greater detail at the conclusion of the interview portion of this episode. And today's episode is brought to you by Northwestern University's online master's program in global health. You can learn how to make a meaningful difference in places where it is needed the most. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the ad to learn more. 
or go to sps.northwestern.edu slash global. Here is my conversation with Arsène Brice-Badeau. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. What happens according to the what the, the military statement uh, on uh, December 24th, there was almost 200 terrorists that attacked the, the city of Arbinda uh, in early morning. And then they, there was uh, a lot of uh, uh, casualties within the military and also within the, the civilians. This is what happened. The problem is that we don't know exactly uh, identity of the people. Though uh, days later, Ansarul uh, Islam and the Islamic State in the Grand Sahara, both group, uh, how do you say it? Uh, reven- uh, they claim, they claimed yes. responsibility. Yes, they claimed. So they, and and so so this Islamic State linked group claimed responsibility for this attack that left yes. a number of civilians killed. Yeah. Do we know? what their motive was behind attacking this uh, outpost and killing all these civilians? Their motives are not really clear. Sometimes I think that there is a combination of uh, uh, motives. There are religious motives, but, I mean, it is not the the only one. There are really political motives. I think they really want to uh, destabilize uh, the current regime uh, because... uh, if you consider the targets of the attacks, you can see there are schools, there are uh, administrations, there are, I mean, men and women, uh, children, all these people. So this is not really religious motive. Even Muslims also uh, have been killed, targeted. According to me, it is not, I mean, the religious explanation is not really enough. Uh, it is... Uh, there are many other. I think that the political motivation, the uh, uh, motive, is uh, much more important. If you will look uh, at what they are doing and the targets, mm-hmm. so yeah. it clearly shows that this is more political motives and, uh, uh, than religious motives. Uh, yeah, one of the more horrific recent attacks was this roadside bomb that. You know, killed essentially a school bus full of children, right? So this surge in violence um, seems to come at a sort of unique time in Burkina Faso. You know, in 2014, I remember like around the world and I did a podcast Uh episode on it. There was this peaceful protest and mass uprising against the regime of Blaise Campore, who had been in power for, you know, decades and it yeah. was, you know, like a sort of mini Arab Spring, but happening in Ouagadougou and in, in exactly. Burkina Faso. And there was all this hopeful enthusiasm around it. 
So how did we go from that moment uh, to where we are now seeing this surge in, in terrorist attacks and in, um, in violence that happening in, in Burkina Faso right now? For me, I've, uh, I, can, I think that there are two reasons. The first one is because Blaise Comfort was uh, overthrown uh, uh, from power. We know that Blaise Compore has uh, uh, a kind of uh, relationship with uh, a terrorist groups in West Africa. We know that uh, people like uh, Janjiri and many other high-profile military and, uh, um, in Burkina Faso uh, used to negotiate with terrorists to free, um, uh, how do you call them? Um, uh, how do you en, call en them français, in English? En français, s'il vous plaît. Oui, en français. Voilà. <laughs> les otages. Les otages. Uh, je ne sais pas. Mm. Les otages. Uh, oh, mean, hostages. 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 Oui, yes. hostages. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you mind if I have to speak in English, uh, in French? No. No, unfortunately, English, English, please. If you can't think of the word in English, you can (laughs) say it in French. And if I know it, I will translate it for you. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is that uh, um, uh, with the Blessed Compari was able to negotiate with a terrorist group to free uh, hostages uh, in uh, Mali, even in Mauritania, even behind. So he had a connection, a strong connection with his people. And... uh, uh, we know that he was uh, almost the godfather of some of the terrorist group, and that's why Burkina Faso was uh, preserved against terrorist attacks. Uh, for that, I think that is really true. Not only the current president uh, said it, but even the terrorists uh, also, uh, uh, in some of their vindications, they say that, the Burkina, that Burkina Faso owe them uh, many things arms and uh, vehicles and things like that, that uh, the regime of uh, Blaise Compori, that they say that they give money, that the regime have to, uh, to give them uh, their due. Mm-hmm. This is things that we hear here. Um, so this That's is one of the reasons. That's interesting. So you're yes. saying basically that Blaise Compori and his long reign on power, in power you know, had these kind of deals, these kind of secret deals with exactly, terrorist groups yes. that prevented them from attacking Burkina Faso directly. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes, this is, uh, I think that this is really uh, uh, true now. At the beginning, this hypothesis uh, was not accepted by people from the uh, uh, Compori regime, but now... They do accept that. Hmm. They say that it was better to have, uh, uh, I mean, this kind of deal with terrorists than not uh, uh, having it. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, this, uh, yeah. So they are not, they are not, uh, they are no longer, uh, I mean, uh, opposed to this kind of hypothesis. So this mm-hmm. is true. Um, and yes. And the second thing also, I think that, according to me, uh, you know. Uh, 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 as close as we get to the elections in Burkina Faso, we see the rise of terrorist attacks. And, uh, and also, I mean, uh, I think that this may push the population to, uh, uh, to want Blaise Compare to come back. You know, his party is making uh, some gain, political gain, you know, now the party of Blaise Compori, the CD, uh, CDP, is uh, now uh, uh, 
getting uh, a little bit popular, you know. Uh, because uh, people are that, seeing the instability yes, that has happened yes, after yeah, his overthrow. And exactly. Blaise Kempori is currently in exile, right, in, in Cote d'Ivoire? Yes, yeah, in Cote d'Ivoire, but he's very much present also in Burkina Faso, making uh, uh, his party, everybody come mm. in Cote d'Ivoire to, uh, 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 to ask, uh, to get some advice. He also write letters to people in Burkina Faso, so uh, these are public letters, I mean, that are published in newspapers. So he's very much present in Burkina Faso. And I think that it can be a way for people also to get the party of Blaise Compaoré, I mean, uh, make some political gain. Because much we can see in many radios uh, and even newspapers that are supporting Blaise saying that he's the only solution. I mean, that their party, the CDP, is the only party that can bring uh, uh, peace to Burkina Faso. And now, even uh, I did some uh, uh, interview with, with uh, NGOs uh, in Burkina Faso, and uh, uh, I was surprised to say that people say that, you know, we really need this party to come back again to power, at least to solve the problem of the... Uh, uh, of the terrorist uh, uh, violence, uh, you know, for me to hear people saying that, it means that there is a, um, a kind of political, there are people that are making gains uh, yes, from the terrorist attacks. That's this just, is I, my... Uh, I mean, that's so yes. interesting for me to hear, just because there was this sense of euphoria after Blaise Campori was ousted in, you know, very peaceful yes. protests. Uh, it was just a popular mobilization against a long and corrupt ruler. Uh, but now, uh, it's interesting that you're saying that there, that the sort of political consequence of the increasing terrorist attacks is this kind of desire to have him return. Yes, this is really, uh, uh, we really need to take uh, seriously this uh, hypothesis. Uh, another thing is that, uh, is the military situation of Burkina Faso. I think that the country have uh, um, uh, not uh, really well prepared to face these kind of uh, uh, attacks where we need a lot of a powerful uh, intelligence unit. Uh, with the regime of Blaise Compaoré, as you know, the, uh, the presidential, how do you call it, regime, uh, no, uh, is it regiment? Regiment, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, the, yeah, was really, uh, the, was the, not the only one, but the best uh, intelligence unit within the army. Yeah, like the presidential guard. That's sort of how these strong yeah, because, men yes. typically work. Yes, they keep yes, the best yes. and the brightest soldiers yes, as part of exactly. the presidential guard, yeah, to avoid coups yes, mostly. Not, but yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And because also, I mean, they have, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the intelligence gathering unit, uh, uh, they control the intelligence gathering unit, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So when this, the, uh, when this uh, 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 presidential guard uh, have been, uh, I mean, regiment have been uh, disbanded, this created uh, a huge problem for intelligence gathering in Burkina Faso. Uh, and we know that for, uh, I mean, in order to fight terrorism, we really need a very strong 
intelligence uh, gathering unit. If not, it is not. Uh, uh, it will not be effective to fight against uh, uh, terrorism. So, so the military situation also, uh, the weak military situation also uh, can explain. Uh, I mean, the rise of uh, the attacks. Uh, yes, in Burkina Faso. So, uh, it seems there's also an important international uh, dimension to the situation. Um, you know, exactly. first, you know, there were the earliest big attacks were against uh, foreign targets in Burkina Faso, against a hotel, uh, against the French yes. embassy, against I think it was a yes. restaurant frequented by foreigners. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and the, the hotel attack was in 2016. The French embassy attack was in 2018. Uh, and on top of that, you have this international force called the the G5 Sahel counterterror yes. force that yes. is this you know group of countries including Burkina Faso supported by yes. France that's targeting yes. you know these terrorist groups both in Burkina Faso but also more significantly yes. in in Mali and Niger yeah Niger yes can you just describe the the international element dimension of of this conflict and how you know, and to what extent the instability in Burkina Faso is a product of, um, you know, instability in Mali and Niger. Yes. Yes, we, I think we can say that at the beginning, we can say that uh, that the problem in Burkina Faso was a kind of uh, uh, a spillover from Mali and Niger. But uh, right now, things seem to, to change. Things have changed because terrorists are not not only imported; uh, they are also, uh, I mean, recruited in Burkina Faso. You know, in the north of the country, uh, people that have been arrested, they have names from Burkina Faso. Uh, this is a problem uh, also. And about the J5 Sahel group, all these forces, uh, you know, people are disappointed. We have a lot of forces uh, in uh, uh, in the Sahel region, but we still uh, witness a lot of uh, uh, attacks, uh, a lot of killings. So we wonder if it is really effective, if it really uh, uh, if it is suited to the situation uh, in uh, I mean in these countries in Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger, and uh, mm. and so on. So we think that we really don't think that uh, this is the best way uh, to do that. As you know, in Mali, for example, there are uh, territories only that uh, French army can access. You know, mm -hmm. there are other parties that only uh, 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 Malian uh, soldier can uh, have access to, and uh, and so on. Burkina Faso the same. So they don't think people are thinking that uh, most most of the people are thinking that maybe international forces are not really effective. They wonder why they are there, uh, and that's why you can see many uh, demonstrations. Sometimes again, for example, France. Uh, we don't know why. Uh, I mean, but there is uh, many people that are accusing France. They think that. Uh, uh, they are not really clear. If they really want to fight against terrorism, uh, we should see uh, uh, a, uh, a diminution of uh, of the attacks. So, 
What do you think can be done to reduce levels of violence right now and, and encourage and foster a better political situation in, in Burkina Faso right now? What solutions do you see possibly exist to reduce level of violence right now? In Burkina Faso, we think that, I think that we really need a political reconciliation. I think that the Compore regime and the regime of uh, Mark uh, uh, Rock Christian Cabori. The current president. I think that uh, we really need to think about uh, uh, a reconciliation. This is a first step. And also really need to communicate with the population because uh, uh, the terrorist attacks have uh, divided the populations because there are many accusations are saying that this uh, ethnic group uh, I mean, is supporting uh, terrorists or most of the terrorist group come from this uh, region or these uh, ethnic groups. So this created problem. This is the case of the Fulani that have been, uh, uh, people are accusing them that most of the terrorists that have been arrested or killed are from uh, uh, Fulani ethnic group. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a really a kind of a breakdown of uh, uh, a social uh, contract uh, right now. We really, really need to, communic to, to communicate and to find a way to build a new social contract uh, based on, uh, on mutual uh, trust. And this is uh, a work of communication. I don't think that the military component, which is important, but I think that we should uh, simultaneously uh, have uh, really this communication effort to, uh, I mean, to build social trust between uh, 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 component of the society. To that end, what can the international community be doing that it's currently not uh, in terms of promoting that kind of peace and reconciliation that you describe? I think that the international community can do many things. First of all, I think that, you know, terrorists also communicate through media and, uh, and uh, satellite uh, phones. And uh, <coughs> I mean, they are using the technology and many things that are not based in Burkina Faso, nor in Mali or, uh, or Niger, you know. I think that, uh, and I'm surprised that when people are speaking about terrorism, they don't see, uh, they don't point out, uh, I mean, with all these technology, especially the communication technology and uh, social media. And uh, I think that there is, uh, they can uh, try to monitor that so that uh, this can uh, reduce the effect of uh, uh, terrorism because this is, one of the best way of communication. This is uh, uh, something that can be done. The international community also can also support um, civil society organizations uh, for uh, grassroots peace building uh, initiatives. Not only the military uh, uh, component. Right now, what we see, uh, uh, the international community uh, tend to focus on. Uh, military aid, military aid, and this is not enough. We really need also to focus on uh, uh, civil society organizations that can uh, do grassroots uh, uh, activities to help people to 
to come together and speak together as it was before. I think that, and even this will be cheaper than the military uh, 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 support, both, even if both are, uh, are necessary. This is what I think. Well, uh, Brice, thank you so much for your time. This is, this is very helpful. Parfait. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Merci beaucoup, Brice. Uh, and as I mentioned at the outset of this episode, I want to tell you a little bit more about this grant uh, the podcast received from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. First, just disclosure, this episode was made possible in part by a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. The statements made and views expressed are solely the responsibility of those who spoke it. So this grant, I, I am so excited for it. The grant will help support episodes that feature African expertise on peace and security issues in Africa. This will include journalists and civil society leaders and academics and practitioners. First off, if that describes you, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Have you pitched me on a peace and security issue that you are working on in Africa? And second, you know, the show already fairly consistently focuses on these kinds of issues in Africa. I think what you can expect from this grant and this partnership with Carnegie is perhaps a more systematic approach to hearing from African experts. So if you have any questions uh, about this grant, what it means for the show, uh, please feel free to email me. You can do so using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. But in general, I, I'm just very excited for what this means for the show. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.